Tempest Productions presents The Neighbour by Bibi Berkey. All right, I've given it some thought now. She was timid. He was a bit pompous. She was so very cautious. He was always too busy. Can you tell me what they were like at the beginning, when you first knew them? It'll be helpful. I never knew them. That's what I'm trying to say. Her eyes never met mine. She was forever looking away to somewhere else, even when she spoke to you. He simply never spoke to you. She she was... Oh, he, he... At the beginning. At the beginning. Yes, they came with a baby and they had another one a year or so down the line. Nearly six years they lived next to us. In that time, my own children grew towards adulthood and left for university and I was more or less alone. I have a peculiar fascination for watching children grow. Mine. Anybody's, I don't care. It's utterly riveting. A privilege, an entertainment. They give you some focus. But you got to know them after a while, didn't you? You must get to know people after six years. You'd think so, but no. Not even a quick hello? I tried to catch her on the doorstep, but she'd rush indoors as soon as she got a whiff of what I was up to. I was conscious, sometimes when I left the house, that she was hovering behind her door, waiting for the coast to clear so that she could get out and on her way without being caught. Getting caught seemed to fill her with dread. As for him... He was civil and seemed to endure us. He went to work every morning. I knew because he told me early on that he was a social worker and that he looked after children with problems, that he had a a very worthy kind of job, a very stressful one. People like me who don't go out to work are frequently told how stressful it is out there as though we could have no possible idea what stress is like. So he was devoted to his job, you'd say? Yes, I'd say that. You have to be with a job like that. It's a kind of vacation, isn't it? And what did she do in the meantime? She looked after the children. Did she cope? Can any of us cope when children are so young? I can't give you any hard evidence that she was suffering or having a breakdown, but there was so much crying from those children. Oh, God. So much. Day and night. Maybe they were doing that funny sleep training thing that people do now and the parents had put earplugs in. But for the rest of us, the neighbours on either side, it, it was horrendous to hear such distressed little ones. You just want to barge in and pick them up and soothe them. That's your speculation. The neglect. The earplugs. It is. There's no evidence they didn't love their children or each other. Yeah, I never said they didn't. Most wives have a dig now and again about their men, but she never did. I saw them in the garden often enough, and they were calm and apparently supportive. I saw a lot in that garden. From my top back window, I could watch out over them, unobserved. It was an instinct, the need to watch. I followed the girls' stumbling progress around the patio, their explorations of the flower beds. 
The elder one was more prone to tears than the younger. Very sensitive, break, breaking out into torrents as soon as she so much as brushed against a rough wall. Then the mother would kind of look on dreamily and the father would rush and gather the child up and arch over her, proofing her from the world. And that's what I observed, really, for the first five years. And then? What? You want me to get to that day? To talk about that day? Only when you feel you reach it. You must say things as you remember them, even if you worry that the memory isn't right. It usually is. You've been here before, have you? Not a case exactly like this one, no. What was your question? Oh, never mind about my question. Tell me, what do you remember about them? The elder girl was called Faye. The younger, Millie. <sighs> Millie was the only one of the entire family that you could say I had any kind of relationship with. She'd come and stretch her arm through the gaps in my fence and call me by my name rather affectionately, as it happens. If her parents couldn't see, then I'd place my palm over her hand and press it, and she'd wait for me to say something. Anything, Anodyne. The kind of comforting thing that children come to expect, like how pretty her dress was, or I'd ask what she'd had for lunch. Her eyes were dark and deep and rather staggering. You seem fond of her. I was, to be honest. She was a mellow little companion while I did the gardening. There were times when her mother would come out and mumble an apology for disturbing me and try and lead her away, but I'd straighten up at once, usually with a trowel still in my hand, and exclaim that she was doing nothing of the sort, and try and engage her. Fruitlessly? Not every time. Once we managed a kind of semi-conversation about the street and other residents. Another time I managed to keep her hooked for a couple of minutes discussing her elder daughter's imminent birthday. How did she seem to you then, when you captured her in conversation? Did she reveal anything of herself or her life inside the house? Soft. She seemed soft. Like a deflated thing, a boneless thing. She was pretty and slight and quirkily dressed always in denim and reds and little headscarves. But the clothes walked about without her. I felt with pale outlines where her limbs should be. She was like one of those skeletal leaves one finds in the winter when the flesh has gone and the ribs remain. You can't help but marvel at them. Please don't think she was weak as such just detached. She was, after all, the one who stepped away and made the decision. She was the one who closed the door on him and changed the locks and said that enough was enough. You know we have no actual evidence that he was abusing her. And I, I can give you none, and yet I know it for fact. You won't find any physical marks, but I can tell you that that young woman's brain was a shriveled and cowering thing. I don't think she was naturally as reclusive as she became in time. I think she would have craved friends and conversation, but where can you turn if the world you desire has been forbidden to you? Who forbade it? Who do you think? It was him. He decided these things, who she spoke to and what she did, and then... And she chose her moment. 
and broke out. And on that day, she was full of rage. And even in the most horrendous of circumstances, as, as, as sharp as cracked ice. Wait. Why wait? It's that day that counts. That's why I'm here, isn't it? You want me to throw some sympathetic light on his behaviour? Then I need to make it clear to you that I simply can't. The perversity was all his. He was playing the part of the same one, you see. The one who went out to work and made a valuable contribution to society. And when he was at home, it was his home. And it was his family. And everything, everything and everyone was an adjunct to him. And she looked up to him and lapped it all up. Well, they're often like that in my experience, the abused. She'd love him forever. Now who's speculating? You're saying I've got that wrong? She reviled him by then. But the silly cow hid it and then went and did the stupidest of things. She hated him all at once, out in the open, threw it up all over his feet. How must that have felt to him, always in control? He came home and the door wouldn't open to him. He pawed at the window, terrified of arousing any kind of attention from the neighbours. He begged silently through the letterbox, but I heard him. And then? And then he went away. Did you ever ask her why she did it? I didn't need to. I knew she'd never tell me anyhow. She needed him away from her. I don't think she'd even thought about how he'd feel about being separated from his children. She just didn't want him anywhere near her. No, I didn't need to ask her. And yet I so regret that I did. Don't. How can you regret such a thing? By then it wouldn't have been intrusive. No, I regret it because I asked it on that very day. You see, it was partly my fault. I triggered it. If I hadn't occupied her, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. You can't really believe that. Oh, I don't know. You're telling me he wouldn't have shown up if it wasn't for you. I'm telling you, I chose the wrong time to try and build a bridge to her. Uh, I'm not convinced. Tell me how on earth you had anything to do with what he did. Tell me what happened. She was alone for once, sitting on the patio unoccupied, the children watching the TV indoors, and I was in the garden turning over the soil before planting. And there was a numbness about, call it autumn, and the sky was so low it touched your scalp. I didn't even look up. It was like trying not to frighten a wild bird, but said, are you all right? And she got up and stood across the fence from me and seemed relieved and answered that yes, she was. The wire frame of her fingers rested on the fence post. We're starting afresh, the girls and I, she said. And strange as it felt to me to witness it, she smiled. I'm so glad, I told her. We had nothing more to say then and I returned to my digging and she went back inside and... I don't know how many heartbeats passed, but not, not many before the screams arrived. I heard her yelling, begging, imploring someone not to do something. I, I'd never heard a raised voice in that house. It's chilling hearing the pain of another. I dropped the spade and listened. I paced up and down along the fence. I strained to catch what was going on. 
And then suddenly she was out of the back door, her expression savage. She was in abysmal pain. She was crying, help me, please, please help me. I ran to the edge of the fence, leaned over. What's happened, dear God, what's happened? And she yelled at me, he's taken them. He's broken in and taken them. Had she seen them go? Yes, yes. He'd forced the door and was just in the process of leading them out to his car when she walked into the house and discovered him. That's when I'd heard the first screams. He was hurrying them into the back seat and she was begging him to leave them alone. He simply pushed her over and got in the car and had driven off before she could get up. What did she want you to do? What did she want me to do? She wanted me to relieve her of her pain. She wanted, too late, to beg me as a friend to support her. Now, that desolate minute, she stood on the other side of the bridge I had tried so hard to build. But actually, I didn't care about all that. She was a wreck, utterly destroyed. She knew what he wanted, and so did I. I yelled over the fence for her to meet me at the front and I ran through my house, grabbing my car keys as I went. Was she there, waiting for you? Oh, yes. And I thought she was about to faint. Where's he taken them? I shouted. Think! I pushed her into the passenger seat and got in and started the engine. Oh, but she just whimpered at me. I don't know. I don't know. We drove about the streets for a good 20 minutes and the strain was almost unbearable. We both knew what he wanted, you see. What did he want? I don't understand how you'd work that out. The urgency of the situation? Trust me. You just know. We drove and drove and I kept on at her to think. To imagine what would be going through his head now. I I was pummeling her to attention, but it was like trying to keep a drugged person awake. And then when we'd taken the high street corner for the third time, she said, as quietly as you like, the garden. Just that? The garden? I pulled over sharply and I sagged in my seat. Why was she making this so difficult? What garden? I demanded and she kept repeating, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, please just let me think. And you know, it came to her. She said to me all of a sudden, I'll direct you. It was where they loved to play with him. It's outside town, an old priory with a walled garden. They loved it there. It was their place, not mine. He would take the girls and they came back with stories about how they'd clambered all over the ruins and how they could see for miles and how they'd had the best day out ever with their dad. I was only ever allowed to go with them once. It was their place. I had to cut her off. All right, all right, shut up and show me. At that point, did you think they were in danger? I saw everything with perfect clarity. And so did she. Never mind, she'd only taken the route once and then only as a passenger. It must be like those stories of land-loving mothers leaping into the sea, fully dressed to save their drowning children. We were single-minded, both of us. But I was angrier. Isn't that strange? I was so angry with him. She got us there, though, true to her word. It was just a rutted track when we got there. No sign, nothing. We took it too fast and we bounced out of our seats and... Even before we reached its end, I I could make out the car parked ahead. It simply stood there. Well, what were you expecting? Life. Children playing in the ruins or racing about on the green. I wanted to hear them. She flung out an arm and I jabbed on the brake. 
we stopped at the end of the track. In front of us was a, a wide plain, the ruined abbey at its centre, a kind of triangle of broken walls. There was the car. I couldn't see from that distance if there was anyone in the car. Wait, I told her, don't get out yet. Here's my phone, call the police. I'm not getting out, she told me. I want you to do it. Go and bring back my children. I looked at her in misery. It was all up to me. What could I do? What did you do? What I did was done quickly. You see, you have this awful feeling. She, she must have had it worse, but I had it too. This dread. I can't put it better than that. You want for all the world to get it over and done with. To begin the tears and the mourning that you know are coming. I've been walking, but now I found I was running. I still couldn't see from that distance if anyone was inside the car. It was only when I got to about ten feet away that I realised that the engine was still on. And that's also the moment that I saw the hose pipe attached to the exhaust. Its other end had been stuck through the gap in a rear window and the gap was taped up. Did you understand what was happening? Yes, I knew what was happening. But it's so odd, you know. I was still feeling that desperation for release. I still wanted to veer away. I didn't want to look inside that car. But you did. I did. I got up to it and I forced myself to look inside. And it was all wrong because I was looking for a driver and there was no driver. The driver's seat was empty. Then I looked back at my own car to see if she was watching me and she was. Her face, a smoky apparition through my own windscreen. She never made any attempt to join you? Not at that point. It seemed to be understood that it was my job to find them. So I returned my attention to his car and they were there. All three of them. They were on the back seat, slumped, inwards in a sweet pyramid like they'd just finished reading a bedtime story together and drifted off. I pulled at the side door, but it wouldn't move. How can I describe it to you, that vision? My response to that vision? I don't know. I really don't know. The bloody door wouldn't move. And there they were, asleep in each other's arms. I watched them with dumb fascination. Couldn't move. They seemed so tranquil, almost sacred. I felt like I was trespassing. And then it happened like, like the killer moment in a horror film. The shocking moment. Millie opened her eyes. Dreamily. In confusion, she focused on me and blinked. And it was like she was reaching through the fence for my hand again. It was the same look. Come for me. Pull me over to your side. I'm coming, I yelled. I grabbed the hose pipe and pulled the thing out at once. I tried every door, but there was no way in. What could I do? How could I break in? How could you? I, I, 
rushed around in a stupid frenzy, trying so hard to find an answer, and then I saw it. A scattered pile of broken bricks. I grabbed one and brought it back to the car window. Don't know where I found the strength, but I smashed that brick so squarely and confidently on that pane of glass that it cracked at once. I had to smash and smash at it to get the pane to collapse. And when it did, I pulled the pieces towards me onto the grass. I reached in and released the door by the handle. They didn't move. But I knew they must all be alive. They weren't blue or anything like that. I took Faye by the arm and I dragged her out into the air. Then I went round and opened the door and helped out her little sister, who was still able to walk. We both of us stumbled to Faye on the ground. And I slapped her cheeks and shook her, probably everything I shouldn't have done. But she was breathing. That was obvious. And there was no sign of their mother even then. You'd think the sight of her children would have bucked her up. It must have, because she was suddenly there, beside me. She was all over them, pulling them to herself, sobbing. Together we revived those poor, terrified children. I stood up, eventually, panting, and looked about me. My phone was still in the car, and we were all alone. My heart was racing. I should have felt relieved, and yet I didn't. I was still so angry. Then I heard the father groan as he crawled from the back of the car. His face was... How was his face? Yes. Tell me what you saw in him. What the sight of him made you feel. I'll tell you what I saw. I saw the face of a very sorrowful man. A man who never counted on waking up. He was clearly very nauseous, on the verge of vomiting, and he lay on the ground, curled up and moaning. I went over to him and looked down on him. He was trying to control his breathing, muttering, delirious. I just couldn't take my eyes off him. What did you do? What did I... He looked up at me and he said... He said, we should be dead. He wanted those children dead. What did you do? If I hadn't got there in time, those girls would be. It would be over. I'd never see them grow. I'd never feel that hand reaching to touch mine again. They had wanted me to love them and look after them. I was just a neighbour, no relation, but I was responsible. What did you do? He was crying and holding on to my ankle. I hated the feel of him, the look of him. He had wanted those children dead, just to spite their mother. What did you do? 
he was whining at me. I couldn't bear the sight of him. I pulled my foot away from him, didn't want him touching me. What did you do? I picked up the brick. I went back and I picked up the brick. The Neighbour by Bibi Birkin Performed by Alison Edmonston and Louise Lingwood Studio production, Francis Nutbeam Webber and directed by Mark Lingwood.